Well, good morning. I hope you enjoyed the extra hour of sleep that you guys all got. I don't know if you got that or if you just missed it, but it happened. So, some of you that have young babies, it's hard to reset their clock, you know? They don't quite get that whole drill. Take an extra hour of sleep. They don't, they don't get that. So, well, it's good to see all of you here. I can't believe that it's almost Thanksgiving. I, look, I think about how this year's almost over, and I'm, I'm, I love this season of the year. I love, uh, not that we get much changing in color, but we do get a, a break from the heat and just a nice climate now through May or June. So it's, it's usually pretty great. Well, we are in this series that we launched last week, and we're looking at the life of an influential man named Paul. And he was a very determined man. And God used him in the first century to turn the world upside down as he spread the news about Jesus Christ. And he was compelled to share good news with others. And whenever we have great news to share or something, or we hear breaking news, we we are also compelled to share it, aren't we? Have you ever said, like, did you hear, and you're so excited to tell, did you hear this happened, or if you were watching the news and you were the one that, that happened to have a corner on the information and you, you're like spreading it around and people are like, what, what, tell me, tell me. We like to be those people who have the, the breaking news or the good news because it's powerful. I, I remember where I was in, when some major events in history took place. I remember where I was when the space shuttle Challenger exploded in 1986. I remember where I was. I remember what I was thinking in those moments. I remember where I was when the news broke. I was driving on the, the 10 freeway when the news broke about the 9-11 attacks. I was heading into work and it was like super early in the morning and it was just like, wait, what? And I turned the news up louder and just this, you know, you, you just don't, you know, everything kind of goes silent at this point. I remember where I was when Osama bin Laden was captured. I was in BJ's in Reno Valley. We were having a small group leader appreciation dessert. And, and, and it was like the TV screens turned up and, and throughout BJ's it was just quiet as people were just like watching these events unfold. And See, that's what news does. With news, it, the specific news will just silence the room and capture our attention. And so Paul... He had this news he wanted to tell people about. More than anything else, Paul wanted to share a message about what Jesus had done for, for humanity, what, what Jesus had done for others, and for, even for his own life. He, he just experienced the fact that Jesus died on the cross and then rose again. And so that was a message that he felt compelled to share with others more than anything else. And his whole mission from God was this man moved from being a persecutor of Christians to becoming a major proclaimer, spreading Christianity throughout the known world. God used his life to help um, spark churches in, in new cities and um, eventually into Europe. And, and, and so, now in one of his letters that he wrote to one of the churches that he had, uh, he had really led out in, in planting, in one of his letters we find a remarkable statement that he makes. You find it in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 16. And if you want, I would invite you to take out this little sheet. It's in your bulletin. And you can kind of follow along with the, the listening guide here. And there's a pen there on your chair. But here's the statement that he made. He said, Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. Now the gospel here refers to the good news of Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus came to this world to save sinful people. Me. 
you. The world. God sent Jesus to save us. And so that's the good news that, that Paul was wanting. That's the gospel. Woe to me, he says, if I don't preach that good news. He's saying, how could I not share? This is the best news we've ever been given. I need to tell others about it. When I first you know, heard the news of what Jesus had done for me, I wasn't very old. I was really young. And so the, it didn't really sink into my mind of all of what that meant. I was hardly proclaiming the message from the rooftops. I was just kind of taking it in and, and mulling on it. I, I didn't really get serious about following Jesus until I was about 18. And I began making traction in my faith. And, and it was at that point where I realized just how good this news really was. I got more compelled to learn about what what God had done through Jesus, but then also this desire and compulsion to share that message with, with others that I, that I knew, that I was meeting, that, that was growing inside of me. Why? Because good news is, is just something that is worth sharing. On Friday, I was at my son's baseball game, and a kid on his team hit two home runs in one game, out of the park. Not just like an in-the-park home run where he beat out these you know horrible throws. It was more like a... And that sometimes happens at that age, 11 and 12 year olds. This kid gets, you know, gets in there and he just launches the ball over the fence. And uh, Gabriel bats ahead of him two batters. And so Gabe got to be on the, on the bases when it happened. And it's kind of fun to trot around the bases in that moment. And the next time he gets up, he does it again. This time it was with the bases loaded and it was a grand slam. And so in baseball, grand slam is a pretty big deal. But for an 11 and 12 year old, you know, or a 12 year old to do that, it's a pretty huge thing. And so, this kid, he, he can't believe he's hit this, this ball out for the second time. Scores four runs for his team. And he's screaming, Grand Slam! He's, he's screaming, Grand Slam! And he slaps the high five of the coach as he's rounding third and he's running in. He's just, this is like the moment. He just can't believe it. And, and in the crowd, you know, we can't believe it. We're like, I can't believe this just happened. Can you believe this just happened? And uh, the next batter comes up. Pitcher throws the ball to the catcher, and the catcher steps on home plate. And the umpire said, second, the second runner in that grand slam didn't touch home, and so that's, he was out, so it didn't count. And uh, they only scored one run. They, so they let the first run score because he actually scored, but the second guy didn't do it, and then no one after that. So took away the grand slam moment. And uh, there was tears. So it went from grand slam to... <laughs> There were a lot of tears, Gabriel said, in the dugout for, for that whole experience. And so, but even like one of my friends showed up and I was like, you just missed a grand slam. There, there was, this was an exciting thing because <laughs> good news is worth sharing. I still like to say, hey, the Giants, they're the world champions still right now for another day. Because at least for another day, the Royals, the Royals are probably going to be the world champions starting maybe tonight. Because I think it's like final game. And so we got, we got someone crossing their fingers back there. He's like, please. But that's news worth sharing. If you, if you get a new car or a gadget, if you're a gadget person, you got a new gadget, you got an Apple Watch, you got, you got a hundred inch, I don't even know if they make this big, but you got a hundred inch TV on your wall. You know, that's news worth sharing. Woe to you if you do not share that news. You share good news. You, we, we break out to tell people. Yet as I look back at my life and I look at this statement, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel, Paul's statement has, has not always been my own sentiment. In fact, the idea of sharing our faith has become a taboo in our culture now more than ever before. Paul was compelled to preach this message, yet isn't being preachy one of the lowest words that someone could describe you with today? You're preachy. 
<laughs> that's like one of the lowest insults. You know, that's an insult. You don't want to be, be anything in life, but don't be preachy, right? We live in a time where people believe what they want to believe, and as long as they truly believe it and are sincere about it, then it doesn't really matter. That's, that's kind of a cultural mindset. And so Paul's life and his statement here, this can just grate against our priorities, our fears, our stereotypes even of Christians. Because, and so because of this, we're going to ask two questions today. And you see these on your listening guide. Why should we share this message? Why should we share the gospel message? And how, and how should we do that? So let's, let's look at that together. How can someone get to a place in their life where, where you're so fueled by a deep desire to see people turn to God and follow Him that you'll, you're willing to take the risk and share with them? Two reasons. Primarily, the first one is this. The gospel meets the real needs of people. The gospel message, it actually is it's exactly what addresses the core issue. The human's face. And Paul, he believed that this was the only real solution to people's problems. He saw that what people really needed in life was a spiritual issue. And you cannot fix a spiritual problem with a natural solution. It's kind of like you've heard the phrase, make sure you've got the right tool for the job. You're going to fix something. Make sure you've got the right tool for the job. The message, the gospel message, the good news about Jesus is the real solution to the core problems. It's the right tool for the job. And I've seen this play out over and over in life. I have a friend who called me up one night. This is several years back. He called me up one night and he asked me if I could urgently meet him down at Chili's. And so I said, yeah, I'll do that. And so I, I meet him over at Chili's and we were having coffee together. And, and, and he starts describing a number of problems in his life and in his family, his marriage, and just things going on as, as a new parent at that point. And, and a lot of things in his life just seem to be falling apart and really beyond remedy. And he said, man, I've tried everything. I've tried counseling. I've tried parental advice. I've, you know, he's, he calls his, his dad who had a counseling. He says, I, I, I try to really focus on improving things in my marriage. I've, I've, I feel like we've really tried. We've read self-help books. We've, we've read advice columns. He had tried church. He had tried meditation. He tried all sorts of things. And he says, I just want to know, am I missing something? Is there something that I'm missing in this quest for a, a fix here. And in my mind, it was like God was saying to me, Josh, do not try to fix his life. You're not the answer. And ju- just share what God was saying. Just share what I have done through Jesus. Now's the time. And so all I did was I, I shared. I just broke down. You know what? I don't know if anyone has ever defined for you what it means to be a Christian. There's a lot of definitions out there in the world, but let me just define for you from the Bible what it means to be a Christian. And as I shared the gospel message, the good news of Jesus, he broke down in tears and he received Christ. And th- th- Because this was a spiritual issue at its core. But when we look at our lives, all we see is, is natural and physical. And so in the natural world, we stumble around looking for natural solutions. In fact, maybe today, this morning, you can really identify with... That story I'm sharing, maybe that describes where you're at. And you would say today, yeah, that's my life. I've got these giant challenges in my life right now and no matter what I try to do to fix them, I keep coming up short. They're not getting fixed. Well, the Gospel, the message that Paul went around proclaiming 
in his day and age, almost 2,000 years ago, this message is the right tool for the job. In fact, it's the only hope for, for our world. Now, Paul, he had been on the other side of the problem himself. Before he become a, had become a Christian, he'd been trying to fix his own life through his own effort and through his own you know, power. But then he hit a point where he just kind of let go of self-effort and he stopped relying on himself and he started relying on God and the good news that God had provided an answer in the person of Jesus Christ. He stopped trying to, to do enough good to, to measure out the bad and he just said, I, I, I can't do that. Jesus stepped in in my place and, and I'm going to rely on Jesus in His work. And so Paul, he summarized the heart of the message. First, it's found in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1-4. through 4. You see this on your listening guide. Look what he writes. He writes this to a church that, <clears throat> in a place called Corinth. and he, he was one of the guys that helped get the ball rolling and leading in this church. And he was writing back to this church and he says this, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel, that's the, the, the message, the good news message, that I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Now he's saying, look, this is the core if you don't believe this, you're, then you're believing in vain. This is the heart of the message he's saying. Look at verse 3. Verse 3 says, For I delivered to you, this is it, I delivered to you as of first importance, that means number one priority, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. In accordance with the Scriptures just means this is verified by the Old Testament. The, the Bible is divided into two sections. So He said, you know, the Old Testament scriptures, you know, they, they spoke of one who would come to save God's people from their sin. Jesus fulfilled that. He verified the Old Testament scriptures through his life. And then, you know, he died by dying, being buried, and then rising again. No other founder of a major world religion made this claim and then pulled it off with their life. In fact, other religions religious leaders have tombs that you can travel to and you can go and you can pay tribute to the life of that religious figure because their tomb is still there and their you know their their body is or whatever's left is still there you can go and pay tribute to their life but in Jesus's case we don't do that and with the church we gather every Sunday we gather on Easter Sunday we gather every Sunday and you know we did a baptism recently every time we see a baptism all of those things these gatherings are a celebration of the victory of Jesus over death and over the grave now why does that matter? it's because since God is holy He's completely holy and He's completely perfect and righteous then we find ourselves as humans in a major predicament before Him because of our sin. The truth is that none of us in life really measure up to God's standard of perfection. In fact, we, we, fall, we fall way short of His standard of perfection because of our sin. And our sin, what it does is it cuts, off, uh, it cuts us off from really drawing close to God in this life. We can't, because of our sin, approach a holy and righteous God because of who He is. Our sin keeps us separated from Him, both now in this life and on into eternity. And so God, His rescue plan was this. It was to send His Son Jesus, who would live a spotless, perfect life, to lay down His life, basically offering up Himself in exchange for our life of sin. I'll take their place. The penalty of their sin is death and separation from God. I will take that death upon myself. I'll suffer. I'll die for them. 
And so we get this great exchange. We get to receive Christ's righteousness. He was perfect. We get to receive His righteousness. And that righteousness covers our sin before a holy and righteous God. And so now, in Christ, we are able to enter into God's presence now and on into eternity. We can draw close to a, to a perfect God because of that. And, and the issue is, it matters. That's why, that's why it matters so much that people understand the good news of Jesus Christ because that's what's at stake. Eternity is at stake. But then even in this life, the gospel meets our real needs. Here's the trickle-down effect of our sin in this life. The trickle-down effect of sin in our life without God right now is we don't have His power. We don't have His presence in our lives if, he's not, if, if we can't draw close to Him. If our sin is not paid for, then we just don't have the wisdom or the insight to put life together in a way that really works. Like your family life. When it's not working really well, where can you really turn when you're in crisis? You start looking for a tool. Man, maybe this will fix it. Eh, that's not the right shape. Maybe this will fix it. And we start looking for more and it doesn't get fixed. Or if in your relationships, you're just you're not in your relationships where you hoped you'd be. Where can you really turn? Again, only with God's help can we find hope for the core needs and challenges that we're facing. And so Jesus, He, he died to offer the main solution to our problem because without our sin being paid for, there is no way we can experience God's power and presence in our life because of our sin. It keeps us separated from God. The ability to navigate through family life, through relationships, through all the arenas of life, we're so dependent on, we, we need God to help us. And so that, that's really the first reason. The gospel meets the real needs at, at, at its core. And then secondly, faith rests on God's power, not our own. Faith rests on God's power, not our own. Paul, he knew his own limitations. And we need to understand the same perspective as well. L- look at this. Regarding this, this second point here about God's power is what saves people. Look at how he stated this in the beginning of a letter to uh, the church at Corinth. Chapter 2. He, he wrote this. He said, and, and I, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or with wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He's saying, look, this was the heart of, of my message, Jesus' work. That was right at the heart of what I was preaching. I was preaching about Jesus Christ and the fact that He was crucified for us. This wasn't about Paul's preaching skills. So he's reminding them of of the message and where the power comes from. Now look at verse 3. Verse 3 says, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You see, in Paul's world, in the Greco-Roman world, people were impressed by stage presence. People were impressed by oratory skills. But Paul, he just readily admitted that his whole manner of preaching was pretty unimpressive. He's like, I wasn't an impressive communicator. In fact, I was afraid. I was scared. Well, it's because faith, saving faith, is not a product of a perfect presentation. So if you're trying to share with someone, it's not a product of that. Faith only comes when God, through, through His Spirit and through His power, opens up a person's heart and mind to the truth. That's when faith comes. When a person, you know, God's power begins to work in a person's life, ripening them up to respond. 
Paul, he said he often felt weak. He was afraid. He was shaking. Does that seem familiar to you? When you're trying to share with others? Trying to share with a friend? Trying to share with a neighbor? Trying to offer hope to someone and point them to Jesus? And you're like, I don't know if this is going to come out right. Paul said, I, when I did that, I was afraid. I was shaking. But then he remembered, God, it's your power at work. And when you think of the times you try to share with people, it can be a pretty frightening experience, especially if you think, this all depends on me and my ability to get it all right. But if we will just present the good news of Jesus' death, His burial, His resurrection, then God, through His power, can penetrate and really break down even the hardest of heart to open up their lives to Him. That was Paul. Paul was one of those hard-hearted individuals. And he was now convinced that Jesus or that, that people needed to hear this message about Jesus. And when it comes to sharing, we need, we need a clear perspective on two things. What is, there is God's role and there's my role. You know, there's God's role and there's our role. What are the different things and responsibilities involved in this? For example, it's God's role to do this. It's God's role to draw people to Himself. That's God's responsibility. It's His domain to draw people to Himself. When I met with my friend at Chili's that night, and he was saying, look, I don't know what to do. Do you have the answer? I could not do that for my friend. You know, I, could, I couldn't fix his life. That, I don't have that power. But God, what God was doing was God was breaking him down and bringing him to the place where that man was all ears. He's like, God, I'll, I, you know, God if that's what you've done for me and the person of Jesus, I'll, I'll start relying on that, not myself. And God is the one that opens hearts. And up until that point, I was looking in our friendship and in the interaction we had, I was looking for ways to share and I was looking for, how am I going to help him connect the dots? Because I could see there was an opportunity. But, but I, I also recognize I have limitations. But God, He draws hearts. John 6.44 talks about the Father is the one that draws a heart. Only the Father can do that. In fact, you might be here this morning and you might be at this point where now more than ever before, God seems to be drawing you to Himself and you're opening up your life to Him. And you've maybe been just shut down to Him before. We'd love, I would love to hear more about that if that's where you're at. I'd love, any of our staff would love to chat with you more about how to get more clarity on what it means to really follow Him. Here's another part of God's role. The second thing is, it's God's role to con- convict people of their sin. And convince them that they need God's forgiveness. That's God's role. It's not my role. It's not my job to, to convict people and to convince them of the truth. It's not like shouting louder at people is going to really do that. Sometimes we think, oh, this is all about the way I say it. And if, but God, He's able to just convict. He's able to convince and if you've ever experienced the, the conviction of God, you know exactly how undeniable that experience is when God convicts you that you need Him. You know exactly how that feels. Oh God, I can't shake this. Like He is, <laughs> He's convicting me of this sin. He's showing me that that didn't please Him. Or even just when you committed your life to Christ, if you've come to that point, it, you can't shake that when you sense, wow, God is doing that. He's convicting me of my life of sin and he's convincing me that I really need him and his forgiveness but if you're here and you've never experienced that then you might still be trying to solve the problems of your life you're still maybe looking for 
a human solution to the problems you're facing. Also, it's God's role to do this final thing, to save people from the penalty of sin and to change them. This is, again, this is God's domain. It's God's, God's in charge of saving the world. Paul wrote this to a church in Rome. He said this, Romans 1.16. Paul wrote this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. He's not ashamed of preaching it or sharing it. Why? Well, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. This is the, this is the core issue. And Paul was convinced that God's power alone could save the world. And this perspective, it motivates it encourages us to share. Why? Because God does all the heavy lifting. If you look at that list of those three points of God's role, to summarize it all, God does all the heavy lifting here in the process. Have you ever shown up to help someone move? You show up to their house and you're like, yeah, I'm here to help. I'm here to help you move. It's Saturday and you arrive and, and, and you, you get there and you're walking around and you see pianos and you see refrigerator and you see beds and dressers and and then a weightlifting set with you know this guy's a monster so it's just these giant weights and you're like all right sizing this up and then you look around next at who's here to help who else has been invited and you look around and you're like oh boy oh boy and then out from the kitchen steps some young strapping 20 something guys in their 20s, and you're like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Because when it comes you know, to doing the heavy lifting, you want some, you want some bigger guys that can, can move a piano down a, a two- or three-story apartment complex, right? You've tried that before. When it comes to helping people respond to faith in Christ, you and I have limits, but God, He does the heavy lifting. And that motivates me. Oh, God, you can do this. You do all the heavy lifting here. It's not to say that we don't have a role to play, but God, He's responsible for the major rocks that need to move. He he moves those things along. Now, here's our role. You flip to the backside. Three things primarily. Number one is to pray. God asks us to pray for others. We're to pray for people that we know. We're, We're to pray for opportunities that arise That when things happen in our interactions, that we would say, God, help me to spot when you're ripening up and drawing a heart. Then I would say, hey, you know, I'd love to share with you what it means to follow Christ. Or I'd love to tell you the story of how God has changed my life. Or whatever it is, you know, God, help help me to see that. You have to pray that you'd be open to that. That you'd spot those situations. You pray for courage because... We do get fearful. You know, pray for boldness because it's it's true. Sometimes we start trying to share and we're tongue tied and timid. And pray for boldness. Pray for courage. Pray for the right words that God would give you the the those words when the opportunity is given. Let's face it. We need courage to actually share the gospel because most of us, me included, deal with fear of sharing with people. Second thing is this: it's invest. Our role is to invest and invite. I want to invite you to take out this card. It looks like this. It's a little business card and it says invest and invite. It should be in your it should be in your bulletin. A little tiny card and just take a look at it. Flip it over to the back side. On the back of it it says this. It says I commit to invest in others who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ and invite them to OCC. We call these our invest and invite cards and we just want to encourage you to jot down the names of three specific 
individuals. Or sometimes it's like, you know, the person across the street who I see pulling the trash cans out always wears a Dodgers hat, you know. And, you know, I need to meet that guy. Or I, you know, I start praying for people by name or, or if I don't know who they are, just the neighbor across the street, you know, that, that we would have an opportunity to invest in them. Meaning, love them, serve them. Begin to pour some time into that relationship. And then when opportunities arise, that I would invite them to be a part of the things that we're doing. Whether it's my small group's putting on a party and we're trying to invite guests, that I'd invite them to those things. I've invested time in them, now I'm going to invite them to these things. Or it's something like the Orange Crestival. You know, things like that. We want to put on events like that so that as you're investing in people, you'll have something of of high quality to invite your, your friends to, your family to. And then finally, this last step here is our role is to share. We're to share the message. Just like Paul, when we meet people, when we start identifying that we're a Christ follower, we get an opportunity to share this message of hope. And then once we get the words out of our mouth, we again get to rely on God to do His work that only He can accomplish through His power. It's not about how skilled I am at sharing. You know, there's skills to develop in this area, but ultimately it's God at work that, that moves a heart, softens a person to really respond to Him. And you might want to memorize some things, like what would I share? I, I jot down a couple thoughts here. Is, um, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4. It's on the front of your listening guide. Right in the middle of that first paragraph that you see, that 1 Corinthians 15 passage, it, verse 3 starts where it says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for, for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third, third day in accordance with the Scriptures. If you would get some verses down that you could just share readily when you have opportunity, then when, when people say, hey, I, don't, I don't know what's, what's missing in my life, that you'd be able to answer that question. Because when people say, hey, is there something you see that's missing here? What are you, how are you going to respond to that question? Hey, tell me, what is the hope that you have? You seem to have hope in, in something greater than this world and this life. Hey, hey what, is, what is that hope? When those opportunities to share arise, we need to know what we're going to say. This is a great verse. It kind of summarizes the heart of what Jesus has done. But there's more to it. You know, there's also an acknowledgement that people need to, or that people need to admit, you know, I'm a sinner. I went my own way, and my own way isn't working. And it has separated me from God. I'm, I'm operating in this life without His power and His presence. And I'm ready to, to turn my life around, stop going my way, and start going His way. And through the Bible, you start leading people to some key verses that really help them understand the heart of the Christian message and what Jesus is offering to them. Bringing them to a point where they would say, yeah, you know, I want to receive Christ as Savior of my life and follow Him as the Lord, the one to guide me from here on out. Now, why did Paul share? Well, it's because he was clear on what was God's role and what was his role. And since Paul was convinced that the message was so powerful and that God did all the heavy lifting, he just kept sharing and sharing. And there, there are still people in our lives Right now, there's people in our lives and in this world who've not yet experienced God's hope and His forgiveness. So let, let's do our part. Let's play our role well. And let's trust God to do what He, oh, what only He can do to change people's lives. I want to invite our worship team right now to join me back up on the stage. And, and I want to wrap up 
by looking at a passage and just asking you to look at this passage and maybe jot down, find some time to reflect on this passage this upcoming week. From prison, Paul wrote this to one of the churches that he worked with. He wrote this, Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and with a thankful heart. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about His mysterious plan concerning Christ. For that is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Then he says to them, Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive. That word means, in Greek it means, the word attractive means seasoned with salt. Literally. Let your conversation be gracious and seasoned with salt so that you will have the right response for everyone. May God help us to have this type of willingness and focus so that He might be able to use all of us here to help others experience the hope that they can only really find in Christ. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your great love and Your plan. Thank You for the work You're doing in our lives. Thank You for Your great story, Lord, that You're rescuing a people who has gone astray. You have not left us to Yourself, but You've given us a solution by sending Your Son, Jesus, to die in our place and offer up a new life for us. Lord, I pray for those that are here that have never responded to Jesus, Lord, I pray You would do Your work of drawing them to Yourself, even this morning, Lord, that they would have this undeniable sense that today is the day that they would yield themselves to You today. Lord, for those of us that are here that just have circles of relationships and influence with people, Lord, that all of us have relationships and and opportunities, Lord, I pray that we would be intentional with the people that You've placed in our life and in our path. Be people who would pray and invest and invite and then share Your message of hope. Lord, that we could say, "Woe, woe to me if I don't share this, if I don't preach this gospel, if I don't if I don't share this message of hope with these people you've placed before me because eternity hangs in the balance. We thank you for all you're doing in our lives and in our church. We, we, we pray that you'd be honored, Lord, as we kind of walk carefully with you. We thank you even for the offering we'll be receiving, Lord. May you use it to help us to keep impacting people's lives for all eternity. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.